on out in the other direction when the Pharisees had all their religion in nice little bows what happened God went in search of man because God in the garden went looking for Adam and Eve God sent a whale to go get Jonah and Jesus talked with the Pharisees over and over and over again because although our impulse is to flee from God God's loving impulse is to come and find us When you lose something important, you'll tear everything apart looking for it. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that God will always look for you. Though it's human instinct to run away from God, his divine impulse is to come after you. Adam and Eve, Noah and the Pharisees are all examples of this. Pastor Daniel explains that God won't give up on you because he loves you so much. You're precious to him and he doesn't want to let you go. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Psalms, chapter 139, as he continues his message, Come As You Are. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I send into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. Not only does God know everything about you, but God is always there no matter where you are. God is always there, no matter where you are. Now, this is powerful. Now, this whole discussion is about, they would say this is um, God's omnipresence, that God is always everywhere there. But it begins with these two questions. In verse 7, where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? Now, friend, brother, sister, The human impulse is to flee from God. The human impulse is to flee from God. You might say, well, how do you know? Well, think about Adam and Eve, right? When they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they became self-aware, self-conscious. And they heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What did they do? They hid from him. They hid from God. Because of our awareness of ourselves, the human impulse is to hide from God, like Adam and Eve. There's a lot of examples of people hiding from God in the Bible. You think of Jonah. God called Jonah to do the work of ministry, to go to a group of people who were hated. And Jonah's like, you know what, Lord? No, thank you. So he grabbed a, he grabbed a ship ticket. He's like, I'm out of here. God wants me to go to Nineveh. I'm going the exact opposite direction. Trying to hide. Running from God as if he could. But you know what? Some of us in this room, God has called you to ministry and you're running. You know God's called you and you are like Jonah. You're just going the exact opposite direction as if you can flee from the presence of God. Let me give you another group of people 
who were really good at fleeing from God, and that was the Pharisees. The Pharisees fled from God by being awfully religious. They let their religion be a wall so that when God incarnate, Jesus Christ, came to the earth, they could say, no, 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 we like our religion. And I'll be honest with you, as a Christian, we are so much like the Pharisees, aren't we, sometimes? We want to use our biblical Christianity as a way to keep us from God. Because we like our religion. It's so easy. Like, you get saved by grace, not of anything we did, just God's free gift of salvation that we put our faith and trust in. And then all of a sudden, we become holier than thou, more righteous than somebody. And, and we're like the Pharisees, like, I can't believe Jesus would hang out with that person. I mean, don't you know how they voted in the last election? I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, they do this, 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 and this. And that judgmentalism, it's just us fleeing from God. Is that you today? Is that me today? Am I the person who in the name of religion, I want to keep people from being reunited with God? Because I'm more holy than Jesus. Jesus hung out with the tax collectors and sinners and I wouldn't be caught dead with those people. Oh. The human impulse is to flee from God. And you know what's beautiful? When Adam and Eve were hiding from God, when Jonah headed on out in the other direction, when the Pharisees had all their religion in nice little bows, what happened? God went in search of man. Because God in the garden went looking for Adam and Eve. God sent a whale to go get Jonah. And Jesus talked with the Pharisees over and over and over again. Because although our impulse is to flee from God, God's loving impulse is to come and find us. And if you're here today and you've got a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, it's because God came to find you and he used a person. He used someone to love on you, to encourage you, to talk to you. If you're here today and maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, the reason you're here today is because somebody loves you enough to say, come on, come with me. And what's beautiful is nobody judges you for running from God because we all know how to do it really well. We're all in it together. Our human impulse is to run from God and God's divine impulse is to come and get us. And that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about, brothers and sisters. It's about God loving us enough not to let us run away, but he comes and gets us. And he comes and gets us by becoming a man and dying on a cross for our sins and filling us with his Holy Spirit when we believe in him. No matter where you are, God is there. God is there. And David, in this beautiful song, starts going if I go up to heaven, Lord, you're there. If I go down to hell, in, in the Hebrew, it's the word sheol, which means the place of the dead. The highest or the lowest, you're there. If I go on out in the morning to the uttermost parts of the sea, you're there. Not only in the morning, notice it's surely the darkness shall fall on me, the evening time. You're there. Over and over and over again, no matter where we go, no matter how far you run, guess what? You can't run away from God. He's still there. He's st it reminds me of Jeremiah 23, 24. It says this, Can anyone hide himself in secret places so that I shall not see him, says the Lord? Did I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? You can't run from God because he's everywhere. 
No matter how hard you try, even you're intellectually convinced there's no God. He's still there. That's why it is so hard. It's so hard to live a life of rebellion because at every single turn, everything reminds you that he knows everything about you and he's there. Every time you breathe in, with every inhale and exhale, the reality of God exists. Why? Because you didn't create the oxygen. You didn't create trees that take carbon dioxide and turn it back into oxygen. Every time you taste, you didn't create taste. Your heart pumping, you have no control over that. All of the knobs are on God's side of the wall. And every single moment of every single day, that reality is right in front of us. Every time you talk to someone, even if you're mad at them, the ability to communicate testifies. That's why it's so hard to flee from God. It's so hard to try. and You're you're running and you're rebelling and you know it, but you know that you're living a lie. You know it. Because it nags at you. Why? Because he's everywhere. No matter where you go, you can do whatever it is that you think you want to do. And you know he's still there with you, just waiting for you to turn. No matter where you go, he's there. He's ever present. He's ever present. But look at what happens next. Verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame is not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Not only does God know everything about you, not only, no matter where you go, is God there, but God did a wonderful job of creating you. That's what these verses teach us, that God did a wonderful job of creating you. God is the creator. Even our constitution says that. Even though they believe in the separation of church and state, you couldn't have a state-sponsored religion But it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. We were created, and God did a wonderful job. Each one of these verses, you form my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. God created us wonderfully. When God created Adam on the sixth day of creation... Out of the dust of the ground, he blew breath into him and made him a living soul. God said, it's very good. It's very good. No matter what you think about yourself, no matter what your parents told you you were, I'm here to tell you that God created you and he did a darn good job of doing it. He did. He created you. He made you. And we all realize the tension of the fact that we were created wonderfully in God's image and we struggle. We have this flaw, this sin nature. And you look at your life and you see both sides. You're like, wow, humans are capable of amazing things and hideous things simultaneously. But God did a wonderful job of making you and making me. We were created just the way he wanted us to be, although fatally flawed. Notice what it says in verse 15. My frame was hidden from you when I was made in secret and you skillfully wrought 
in the lowest parts of the earth. That idea of being in the lowest parts of the earth, it's a metaphor for the deepest of concealment. It's speaking of the hiddenness of the womb. Now, notice what it says here. It says, your eyes saw my substance, verse 16, being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. You see what he says? He says, before I was even formed, God, you saw me, you knew me in my mother's womb, and you knew all the days of my life. It was written in your book. It makes me think of Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, God speaking to Jeremiah, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. What this says is that God the creator, even before you were a a unified sperm and egg in your mother's womb, God already knew you. And this is why, this is why the people of God have always valued life. Always. Now, I need to spend a little time with you, and I need to talk with you about a very hot-button issue in our culture, and that is the issue of abortion. Now, before I start, let me say this. This is a highly charged political issue. And what that means is that when it's a political issue, it means it's all about for the politicians getting elected or not getting elected, showing you who's to blame and why they're better. I want to remove the discussion from politics, and I want to leave it in the Bible. Okay, because in our political discussion, if you are pro-life, it means that you hate women. That's the way it's characterized. If you believe in life, then you are misogynistic. And I would say that to say that if you value life and that makes you misogynistic, that's like saying I am against the Holocaust, but now you're anti-Semitic. It's not logical. It's not logical. See, God values life because he created life. And God calls all of his people to value the things that he values. And God values life because God is the giver of life. In him was life and that life was the light of men. So as a Christian, we are unabashedly for life. And as a Christian, we believe that part of being a Christian is being a voice to those who have no voice. And if there is ever a group of people who have no voice, it's children who are yet to be born. So we are unabashedly for life. Now, with that being said, we live in a soundbite culture. And what that means is that we have a tendency not to think thoroughly about issues. And I realize that 50 years into Roe versus Wade, if you just make it illegal, people are going to go back to having back alley abortions, okay? So in our pro-life stance, we also realize that we need to find a more excellent way because the last thing we want is for women whose hearts haven't changed, who are aborting children to be hurt in back alleys. So we don't want to be soundbite-ish. We don't want to be Twitterverse-ish about how we view these things. But at the same time, We need to think biblically and not culturally. We need to think biblically and not culturally. God loves life. Jesus died that we may have life. Before David was even in his mother's womb, God knew him. Do you realize that 50 years into legalized murder, we could have aborted the 
person who is going to cure AIDS, cure cancer. Created the most beautiful pieces of music. Been someone just so kind and humble that every person they met, their life was lifted because of it. So if you're in here today, and I realize this, some of you, you guys are, you guys are just staunchly pro-life. My only hope for you is that if somebody isn't, you love them still. And you reason with them from a place of love and not judgment. Because a new law will not make a person righteous. A new heart makes a person righteous. Come out on Wednesday night. We're studying. The children of Israel had the most righteous law in history. And they were all wrong. Because God's changing hearts. Now, if you're in here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you're struggling, you're like, look, I believe in Jesus. I don't know about that whole pro-life thing. You just need to ask, say, God, what is your view on these things? Listen, you guys know I didn't grow up in a, in a religious home, in a Christian home, and so I got saved, and I, I went to battle with the Lord about homosexuality, abortion. I mean, I was raised totally different. And finally, I got to the point, like, Lord, not what I want, but what you want. You need to explain this to me in a way that I can understand. So you need to ask, why am I struggling with this teaching? If you're in here today, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you're hearing me and you think that I am misogynistic, and of course, a man telling women what to do with their own bodies, right? If you're in here today, I don't think that you're crazy for asking that question, because I've asked that many times myself. But what I would ask you is, is it really hateful of women to love life? Is that really a logical quote-unquote, way to deal with it, to say you hate women because you actually love women enough to want them to be born. God loves life. Before a child was conceived in a womb by whatever means, God know that, knows that child. Now, if you're in here today and you've made mistakes in your past, I'm here to tell you that no matter what you've done, no matter how horrific it is, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are forgiven. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, no matter what you have ever done, no matter how many abortions you've had, no matter how many people you've stolen from, no matter all the awful things in your life. If you are here today and you say, Lord, I am sorry for what I've done. I receive your grace. I want to be set free from what I have done. Then the Bible says that you are freed indeed. That's the gospel. You could have been a mass murderer. You could have been the most horrific person who's ever lived. If you come to Christ today, then you are forgiven. God separates it all from us. And guess what? Everybody in this room's got stuff. Some of us are those Pharisees, just judgmental of everyone, looking down on everyone. I can't believe they're that way. Yeah, they need Jesus as much as the person who's, who's gone out and done horrible things, ripped everybody off. We are all in this together, all broken in need of a Savior. And if you're here today and you've made mistakes, listen. Let Jesus wrap you up in his arms. He died for this reason. This is why. So just come to him. Don't even be ashamed. He Come just as you are, all conflicted, all beside yourself. Just come to him. Just let him wrap you up and forgive you because he has done that. That is the Christian gospel. Because God knows everything about you. No matter where you've been, God was there. And God made you wonderfully. He did a wonderful job of creating you. Now, not only that, look at verse 17. 
How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. This teaches us that God thinks about you more than you can fathom. God thinks about you more than you can fathom. This is beautiful. The God who knows everything, who's everywhere, who in all power created you, he thinks about you all the time. This idea of the thoughts are more than the sand. I I went, I tried to do some research. I mean, how, how many grains of sand are there on the earth? You know, and so I found a study, it wasn't the best study done, but it was done by the University of Hawaii. And what they found is they, they spent a, a thousand hours counting grains of sand. You just say, thank God I'm not a scientist at the University of Hawaii, right? I mean, is there any, it's like cruel and unusual punishment. And what they found was, is they found their guesstimate was that the number of grains of sand are the number seven and the number five followed by 15 zeros, which is like a quintillion. So I don't know what that means to you. It means nothing to me. I just know there's a lot of sand. That's what it means to me. And that, see, that's what's amazing about God, is that God knows we're all messed up, but he created us wonderfully. He knows everything about us. He's always where we are. And his thoughts about us are innumerable, immeasurable, beyond comprehension, infathomable. That's how much God thinks about you because he loves you. Because we think about the things we love, don't we? We think about it. Like, I like food. You guys know this. You follow me on Facebook, there's always a picture of some sort of food. You know, like, ooh, yeah, you know. For me, like, food is like a kid for me. It's like, ooh, look at that. It's so cute. And it's amazing. I wake up in the morning, I say, mmm, breakfast. You know, and then it's like mid-morning. I'm like, mmm, snack. You know, and then it's bad because you guys are all a part of this with me now. I have people that walk up to me. I got handed hot sauce this morning. You know, I didn't take any before I got up here, though. You know what I mean? But it's like people are like, here, here's some hot sauce. Here, here's some cannolis. We think about what we love, and God thinks about you because he loves you. Jesus is We are so glad you joined us as we continued in this series linking psalms to popular songs. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that your human impulse is to run from God, but God's divine instinct is to come and get you. You learn that God loves you so much that he'll always come after you. He won't let you run away. This is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus came to rescue you when he died on the cross in your place. He came to get you and gave you a way to be close to him forever. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus. But I actually believe that there are many of you right now as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, 
I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources in your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400, 51400, and we'll get some resources into your hands. Now don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands, and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue exploring Psalm 139. You'll learn that God thinks about you all the time. In fact, his thoughts about you are more numerous than the grains of sand on the beach. It's hard to even imagine how much that would be. Pastor Daniel will share that God thinks about you so much because he loves you. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called The Top Ten. Until then, may God bless.